Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think one of the biggest benefits that you've given men that have, you could say, over-focused on the masculine like myself in the past is being able to get in touch with understanding, okay, what is, how are feelings useful? How are, how is even the, the feminine core useful within the masculine? Cause both men and women have feminine aspects and masculine aspects. So that's, you know, in this case, I think you could so use think, that. Yeah. I think what you're saying is that most men, you know, there's the stigma of, oh, I can't be feminine. It doesn't make me powerful. It doesn't make me rich, successful. You know, I have to be non-emotional, yet we're, we're beings, whether you're male or female, we have emotions. And if there's permission granted without the stigma and, oh, all the judgment, when you're able to harness that emotion, I think what you're saying is, you know, in the work we've done together, it gave you an ability to increase your masculinity and your power and your status and your wealth. And am I, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I, I, that's what I think I hear you saying. So let me know if that's what you mean by that. That's exactly what I'm saying. And it's in the control aspect, ah. in the conscious aspect, rather than doing things because of what people perceive or following a trend or following a crowd. So all of a sudden it's alignment from within. So it's like, okay, I know I do like some things that, or may behave in some ways that some women even may perceive as, oh, that's, that could be weak or that could be feminine. But the ones that, what I've noticed is the women that truly understand and have experienced what it is to interact with, what they would actually call a real man have expressed it. It's like, no, it's, it's not about the macho image of always wearing black and white and having this pissed off attitude and, um, you know, having zero feelings, right. Suppressing them. Um, which is to be honest, I mean, growing up in a macho culture in Latin America, right. That there's a lot of that. Then there's a bit of that in the American, um, almost, what do you call this? The uh, what? What is it like when people have some sort of reverence with military men here? Yeah, yeah. Idolatry of you know the the symbol in America of strength and power in a man is a cop, firefighter, military. Like the you know the macho that used to be the Marlboro Man before cigarettes became a problem. But you know I am tough, strong. I'm a caveman. I don't feel I just conquer and beat the hell out of everything. But what you're describing is really what a true man is. It's the embodiment of everything. It's, it's breadth. You know, when you have breadth, 
you can, you know, think of that in a business sense too. If you're linear and you just have one focus or one skill set, well, you run into, you know, somebody else who's more developed, you're in trouble. You need a diverse skill set. And the only way you accomplish that is through growing through learning, you know, intellectually and growing emotionally. Because if you can't navigate that sense of, oh my gosh, this person might be more of an expert, I feel less than weak. And then you do the false bravado, somebody with breadth will go, oh, this isn't somebody I can partner with. They, yeah, this is going to be a problem. And that's what you see in reality shows. You know, you'll see those high level business people like, yeah, they're, they haven't grown enough emotionally for me to really partner with them. They're not ready for this. And, and that's a separator. And it's just a changing of, you know, belief system. We've all been raised. I mean, science forever thought everything was thought based. We now know it's not. It, we're feeling based. And, and so it's just changing culture of realizing, oh, actually, everything we do is feeling based. And if we don't harness that skill, we're not operating in our best potential. And um, But there's still a little pushback. It's just, you know, but it's getting more and more, except people are realizing more and more, gosh, yeah, it, it, the emotion aspect is where the solution is. There's a lot there, by the way. I'm going to pause this. This week, I've actually done a lot of thought around masculinity and true masculinity because I see a lot of people following, and I was one of those. I mean, following guys that can be perceived as very macho. And then I started noticing the patterns. Usually, they have very black and white images, um, black and white thinking, <laughs> I was going to say, I was hoping, (laughs) it's very all or nothing. Yeah, exactly. And they, most of them have some sort of military background. And I think I was drawn to that because initially I was like, oh, well, I have failed to be, quote unquote, a real man in the past. Maybe I can learn from these guys that understand how to be a real man. And they look like it, right? They look like it with the car. They look like it with the 1.7 million followers. They look like it with this and that, right? And then I realized, wait a second. um, After, of course, the coaching and, and all this transformation, I can see subtleties of what you've called the overempowered. And there was this post by one of them that had to do with basically a, a, an image of a guy that was in a suit, but he was looking kind of down and he was saying the sacrifice will be worth it type of thing. And the image looked like basically as if we're worthless until, until we've made it. Great point. Yeah. And the emotion in his face was that way, even when he was wearing sunglasses. And I was like, wow, like how interesting, because I used to think that that was what was needed to be happy, to get certain things in life, like the right, find the right woman or uh, be loved by family and accepted. Or like, like, for example, when I was a kid, I wanted to, in my teenage years, be a, a certain thing. I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be uh, a producer. I wanted to be all these other things. You know, at one point I wanted to be a pilot or an astronaut, right? And 
I started thinking about those things too. And I got used to hearing no, like, oh yeah, there's no money in that. Oh yeah, there you go. You're dreaming again. And it got to the point where when I saw those macho men, basically with that FU vibe to the world and saying, well, this is how I did it. I thought that that was it. And then it's interesting because in the military markets themselves in a certain way, yeah. my sister just joined the military in the last year. She's, she's finishing her first year there. She is saying to me now, this is completely the opposite as they advertise. I feel betrayed. I feel like this is fraud. There's so much corruption and a lot of like bad stuff going on. She does not feel safe in there. She is, um, even wanted to get out, to be honest, as soon as possible. And the deeper thing was they treat them like crap. Constant, I mean, we all know the constant screaming, but they sold her on the fact that after the basic training, that was all going to change. They were going to have more of a normal professional life because now it's, she's studying and, and going for the job, the career in the military. And then that got me thinking, well, wait a second. So what's happening here? Cause I have my grandfather, military man, right? It's, it's many other men in my family, military man. And I notice a correlation just like my sister suppressed emotions my my grandfather died at age 75 with every disease you could find pancreatic cancer diabetes hepatitis all the things and it wasn't until this year that i found out he had actually suppressed his emotions he started the military but he kept it going when basically this is something that just snuck out of my mother's mouth mouth um like she thought she had told me, but she had not even told me. <laughs> um, so it just slipped out of her mouth. She's like, oh, yeah, what happened was uh, your grandfather basically cheated on your grandma. And then what happened was your your grandma, she said she, for, she gave forgiveness, but she didn't really, inside, you could just tell she'd never forget. She resented it. She, she resented it. out on him, and he felt guilty and bad and just took it. Just like in the military, you got belittled. Exactly. And he swallowed that his whole life. That's why he died young. He looked young. Yeah. Yeah, but you brought up really two, two topics. The one is the false message we've sent to men, and now we're sending to women, you know, the, the whole equality and everything. I'm fine. Don't hear me wrong as anti feminist or anything, but we, we've, always sold that the success process is an external process that it's the accumulation of money cars status power trophy husband wife you know the house all of that and so you know what you're describing is the suppression and i'm only a value i when i've only made it like the picture you bring up here i am worthless head down the struggle I'm nothing, I'm insignificant, I'm worthless until I have all of these external possessions. That now gives me value. Now I've made it. And that's why nearly every single person who's, quote, made it, 
then writes a book about how absolutely miserable they are, how much they hate being a star, having the money, having the trophies, all of that stuff. Because they recognize, wait a minute, ultimately, I don't know my life purpose because our life purpose is a feeling. And so we all have these feelings we've stored and stuffed because of the culture, because of childhood, all these different things we've stored. And we're looking for an external process to validate and go, well, this will take it away. I'll feel great. And so we fantasize for years on the chase and go, well, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. I'll get rid of this feeling once I get it, once I get it. And then we get it. We go, oh, my God, it's actually worse now because now I have no option. And then until someone like me, society and culture said, well, wait a minute, now you have no excuse to be upset. So now they're caught in a double bind. Wait a minute, I've made it. I'm there. Yet now I can't complain and tell the truth because society says, wait, you've got everything we want. Don't tell, don't come crying to me about how tough life is. I'd love to have your problems. So now they have to suppress again. Well, that's why the suicide rates, you know, the the addiction rates for those successful people, the divorces, all of that are horrific. They have nowhere to turn. And that's what I'm trying to blow the lid off. It's, oh, no, 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 no. I I don't, I, you know, I'm still frustrated myself. I hadn't quite put it together. My book is titled Your Journey to Success. I can't stand that word. Uh, But if you read my book all throughout it, I'm using the word greatness. I just hadn't quite made, I had talked about, you know, the pursuit being an external pursuit, but I hadn't really tied to that, you know, greatness is really what we're after. And that's what I teach is that's an internal process. That's discovering the source of who you are and operating up from that place. So regardless, if you have all of the external stuff, you're whole inside. And so you can, you don't stand there with your head down and the sunglasses on while you're in the midst of pursuing your life vision. Your head's up, you're smiling, you're like, man, this is just great. I'm just pursuing me. I don't need the external validation because I've got me. This is just the journey. Oh, the journey's beautiful. It's life. It's wonderful when I screw up and have all these things because I learn. But when you're pursuing an external source, all of that is devaluing. Oh my God, I'm worthless. I'm bad. I didn't make it. Well, when you have greatness, you're like, oh, this is wonderful. I love the darkness, the pain, the missteps. Because I'm whole inside, and this just teaches me more. The second thing you bring up is the military aspect. And I've never talked about this publicly, but it's institutionalized brainwashing. What they do to people in the military is completely destroy them as a human being. They belittle them. They shame them. They debase somebody completely. And rework them into something that they're not to manipulate and control when you have that, because they all they use is shame. They just shame you. Your you know, basic training is just shame training. I'm gonna belittle you so much so you have no personality, you have no soul left, and then I can mold you into whatever I want, and you'll be a killing machine. Now, in their defense, to make someone a killing machine, that's what you have to do. That's literally a job requirement. So I understand like. To protect the nation, that's what you have to do. Um, But here's the criminal part. Is that when their, their time is done, they should do the exact same thing. They should then heal them out of that shame core that they develop them into. They just drop them on the street. Yeah, you get a severance or whatever. But it's a massive psychological manipulation and devaluation. And they need on the other side, they need a massive rebirthing 
of the soul that they stole and took from people. And that will probably create a lot of controversy and get people upset, but it's just, it's just fact. It's the um, truth. And I've seen yeah. it in my family. I've seen it in many military men in my life. I see it in now in those public figures that have become influencers. And I, tr- I realized for myself that my power didn't come from suppressing my emotions. My power came from actually allowing the full spectrum of my emotions and being able to control them all. Well, okay, great point. Because you, you're just, you know, been on this journey in the last, I don't know, six, eight months since, you know, you really started doing this. Yep. Give me some concrete examples, like boom, boom, boom. Yep. What are they? The differences in just this short period of time that's different. And now you can excel in a way, you know, that's opposite. Everyone say, don't go there. But you realize, oh, no, no, no. By becoming an expert in what I feel, actually, I'm able to do all these things that I was chasing and couldn't do with the devaluing of my emotions. What Can you pinpoint, I don't know, however many things, but just boom, 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 what they would be? Absolutely. I'll start with the how emotional intimacy within a relationship works. Romance, romantic life, intimate life. And I say that because it fuels everything else, right? They say the, how strong your home is, is how strong your business will be, right? What happens behind the closed doors is more important than what happens outside. So for me, in previous relationships, I did not possess the ability to stay in intimacy, to face conflict, to face uncomfortable feelings. As a matter of fact, I would threaten the relationship when my significant other would try to be vulnerable or invite me into vulnerability. And so, and by threatening the relationship, it would literally be either storming out the door and slamming it, right? Typical male response. I'm not going to get into the emotional. I'm just going to shut this off, get big and powerful, wham, shut down the emotion. That's how I stay in control of the relationship. Exactly. I know that I was actually doing the same thing with my business relationships. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's where it can get into our heads. Oh no, they're the problem. They're the problem. You're not worthy of being a client. I literally told that once to, to one uh, person. I was like, you know what? I love you as a friend, but I hate you as a client. And I could tell they were pretty offended. Now I was pretty heartless at the time. I was numb. I was detached. And what that made was, similar to what you spoke about with the military stuff, it made me sort of an emotional killer, right? Just like anytime emotion would show up for myself or for others, I'd be like, eh, get rid of that. Unnecessary. And so to be honest, that's what kept me caught in the cycle of getting into relationships and eventually have them ending in total destruction of both of our lives or in business building great business relationships. And then all of a sudden they would just spiral out of control because I would not be able to establish boundaries and I would not be able to also have the right processes in place and treat people the way they should have been treated. Like avoid, for example, prevent resentment between each other. Give me a specific example. Like you just did of what you said to somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, But say, you know, if you had a similar client and how do you handle them differently now? Like what, instead of going, you're a terrible client and killing them emotionally. Yeah. What do you write? Like, what do you see or say or do that's different? Like specifically? Yeah. So one of the biggest things was I noticed my pattern in 
allowing clients to even message me on a, I would even have drunk clients call me on a Sunday at 10 PM and sometimes even surpass boundaries of, oh, or is surpass the right word? Is it more, um, it's really transgress, you know, right. bound. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes even trans friends. I'll do it again so you can see. Yeah, transgress. It's all right. Yeah. Sometimes even transgress boundaries of like respect, like calling me drunk with a flirty tone. Probably not a good idea, especially if you're married, right? And I was allowing that. Right? I was inviting that. Particularly through first boundaries of hey call me my boundary was basically call me anytime any day with whatever you want it's all good which meant there was no boundary my second boundary that was not set straight was we could talk about anything anytime tell me all your problems as if i'm your husband yeah <laughs> and then, I thought that was all good until I saw it going out of control. And I, I even had some, some of my female clients going, um, you know, saying, I, let's just say it this way, saying stuff that would make me feel uncomfortable because it was like, man, like if your husband heard that, I'm pretty sure he'd be uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? So I think that that was the first thing. Establishing boundaries of respect that didn't just protect me, but protected them. With the you schedule, you learn to say this is this is where I fit, and have the because what it is is it's a self esteem aspect. Fear comes up of oh my god, I'll lose them. They won't like me. That's all low self esteem. That's all powerlessness. And oh my god, I have to be everything for them. If not, I'll lose them. Well, actually, what that creates is a client that's terrible because all of a sudden we resent them because they're sucking the life out of us. Yet we. By having that initial feeling of I've got to do everything, we set up a dynamic where they go so far that eventually we hate them and we go, I've got to fire them. Oh, my God, they're just a terrible client. Well, no, I was insecure emotionally. I was using them to feed off, to feel a sense of power of how they need me. And then I got sick of it and said, you're the problem. And so by setting that boundary, that's a self-esteem thing of I love you. I love me and I love you enough to say no and go, look, we have to stay within this framework. That brings safety. It's like they say with kids. You know, parents are so afraid to set limits with kids. Well, limits are safety. When kids know what the lines are, they feel safe. They calm down. It's when they have no boundaries and no structure. It's pure chaos. Well, even as adults, we're the same way. We, we like structure because then we know what we can operate in. and That calms people down. So that, that's what I'm hearing is. Yes, I can. I can operate within here. If it steps over, um, a polite, yeah, that doesn't work for me. This does. Well, then they don't step over. That was the conversation that I first needed to have, uh, specifically with some female clients. Uh, and I said it just explicitly. Hey, this is the stuff you should talk to your husband about. This is the stuff we can talk about. And I, I'm doing it out of respect. You know, I don't want to be mean or arrogant or like we're changing dynamics because of whatever reason that you may have in your head. I, I just really want to establish respect between the both of us. And then the other thing was scheduling, meaning I had to, I mean, operate just like any other business and say, because yeah. I'm a marketing consultant, the thing is, yes, sometimes it can be a very personalized and individualized, individualized approach, but any business will tell you our hours of operation are between eight and five, Monday to Friday, right? So for me, 
I, you know, and for a second, I, I just couldn't believe how hard it was, but it's just right part of my, my childhood training, so to say. It was really hard for me to say that. And so I would allow them to call me on Sunday at 8 p.m. or Sunday at 10 p.m. and keep me up for an hour when I was at Disneyland with my girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'd have to push that. Sometimes I'd have to get back from Disneyland early so that I could do a quick job that they needed. They would call me last minute and go, hey, man, you know, you know what? I need this for as soon as possible on a Sunday night. And I remember, I mean, in my head, I was like, this mother, how dare he? Like on a Sunday night, I'm out with my girl. And I'm like, and then outside, I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. I'll do it. You know what I mean? And, and here's the thing. I mean, especially when I think what happens as consultants is we see clients that I mean, by the way, this specific individual was like worth $165 million. So he's, he's a top dog in Hollywood. And, and for some reason, the funny thing was that he wasn't, that invoice wasn't even much, that much at all. It was more of the worry of like even just losing him as a client. It, it, was, so, it was so strange, but it's exactly what you're talking about. I live in that realm. Yeah. I mean, that's my whole, I mean, people are blowing me up all the time wanting free advice or, you know, whether it's clients, you know, and, and my job is to be there for them. But since none of us have been taught boundaries, we're all codependent. We all do these things. We get caught in low self-esteem and we, you know, all don't know how to say no, everything you're describing. If I give into that, then I'm furthering exactly what is causing their problems and so i have to model what it looks like to say no and have boundaries now we've talked about this like you've gotten on my butt you're like kenny some of your comments are too direct like you need to be a little softer and and we have a a debate about it i'm like look i get it you know i my tone sometime is off but i'm caught between a rock and a hard place because I'm advocating and teaching, look, this is the way you live your life. And, and this is the way to health and, and everything you want in your life. So if I give in under trying to get them to like me and then hire me and everything, well, I'm just furthering that one, they won't hire me because they'll manipulate me. You know, there's one woman who just, she puts comments like this long and really deep questions. And over the last couple of days, like four times, I've had to say wonder, they're wonderful questions really deep and say, I'd love to get into this. You're welcome to join the university, set up a, you know, hire me as a coach, but I can't, you know, these are the questions my students and clients get. I can't, I can't do this in this format, you know? And, you know, it, so it's a fine line that I walk of, yes, I'm there to help people, but I, if they don't know what true help is, I can't give myself away. And that's where the line is, is they don't know what true love is because we've all been raised codependently and and even the internet itself is set up to make codependence. Like, look at what it's, everything's for free. I don't have to pay for anything. I get whatever I want, whenever I want. You know, there's no accountability, responsibility. And so the thought of, oh my gosh, I have to pay for something, people get offended. Well, that furthers that codependent dynamic. And so if I join in that, and even if they don't know, I ultimately have a responsibility to love them 
And the most loving thing I can do is to be boundaried and say no, even if they don't understand it. And, you know, they would have to go get the skills, tools, and knowledge. And if they ever do, if they keep following me, eventually they'll look back and go, oh, my God, I get it now. Yeah, he was the first person who loved me. I see it. But they may not see it in the beginning. And so you and I will fight over that at times because, you know, again, I, I can own that. Because of my grandfather, I my tone or choice of words can be terrible and very demeaning and or not disrespectful, but um, it comes across as uncaring, and that's not my heart. But I'm getting you've helped me. I'm getting better at it. It's seeing it. That's part of why I have you, because I need someone who will call me out on that. I've told you specifically. I want to be called out because I know it's a weakness of mine, and the only way to get better. You know, that's the other thing I talk about. Our culture is we don't want to go near anything, pain, any dysfunction, any imperfection. That's where the solution is. So I demand of anyone in my life, look, you better call me out. If you don't, you won't be close to me. I can't have somebody who won't. Now, you, there's a way to do it that in love, you know, if the old you, I wouldn't, I won't put up with that. But, you know, that sense of, hey, did you notice this? Oh my God, wow, you're right. I hadn't thought of it. Thank you so much. That's the only way I keep from killing myself, which is where I was. And it's the only way I can be a teacher and coach and do what I do. I I have to constantly, I can't teach what I'm not working on. There is so much around that. Truth and clarity. Truth and clarity has so much value today. And I want to bring it to the situation that I just spoke about with that man and how it links to even what you're saying. The reason why I said yes, when I wanted to say no inside was because of my lack of self-worth. That's the reason why I didn't establish boundaries in the first place. And even when I thought about boundaries, I just neglected them. So why do I say self-worth? Because for me, it was, I deemed myself worthy of anything, I guess, If I said, oh, he has me as a client or he's my client, I'm worthy because of that for other things in life. Just like I used to say things to myself like, oh, yeah, I'm making this much money. I could get any woman I want now or or this kind of woman now because of that. Right. I think that's a common thing in the male culture. Sure. Right. Where I have this successful thing, these plaques or whatever, or whatever it is. Continuing. My realization in this journey, particularly when I, after reading your book and going through some of your courses and, you know, our conversations as well, has been there is nothing that will outshine the truth from within, from that inner wisdom. It creates all the most beautiful things in our lives. And the only way to get to that is to drop your denial. And this is the toughest thing in our culture. Admit, my God. I am not who I think I am. I'm not as strong. I struggle. We all have massively low self-esteem. And that is the toughest. The admittance that I'm the problem or I have a problem is the single greatest thing that's keeping everyone from their greatness, their success, whatever. It's always somebody else. And when you're in that position, do you see what that does? If it's somebody else that's me or whatever, I'm always the victim. I'm always powerless. My greatness and success is always contingent on somebody else 
I'm sitting there helpless and hopeless. What I show and prove is the exact opposite. Oh, no, no, no. We are always the problem. And the beauty of that is then I'm always empowered. I'm always the solution. And what all I have to be willing to do just takes one thing is admit I'm in denial. I don't know who I think I am. And I need to open myself up to being shown my imperfections. And that's where we gain the self-esteem. That's why I want you to call me out. I can, I talk about it, the scales of injustice, high denial, low self-esteem. With denial, there's no truth. If you're in denial and you don't admit that you're the problem, you have no truth. Therefore, you have no self-esteem. Denial is a lack of self-esteem. And the more you're denying the problems and how important all of this stuff is, that shows me how low your self-esteem is. Well, what's the solution? If I can admit those truths, self-esteem rises. From here, I have greatness, I have success, I have whatever I want. And so the answer's in the opposite of everything we've been taught. We've been taught, stay away from this aspect. Create the false positive mantras, be positive. That gets self-esteem. It doesn't. It just widens this gap. The, the answer is go towards your pain, go towards your darkness, go towards your imperfections, become an expert in them, accept them, reconcile them, and forgive yourself for them. I see that as being able to finally look at your weaknesses with compassion, acceptance, yeah. right? And the same with others because of that. Yes. And then being able to go, okay, this is what I need to work on. I'm going to get to it. Step one, two, three, four, five, and then look at that as you progress and go, wow, look at what I'm accomplishing in truth rather than just pretending over here. That's the journey. And see, I can accept my greatness in there because I'm in truth. Yeah, I'm imperfect. I'm, I'm not as skilled in this area as I thought. Okay, great. I have to do A, B, C, D, but, but I know the truth. And I know as I work the progress, that will develop. But see, I'm okay. Whereas everyone else is, oh, I don't want to hear any of that. I just want, when I get this, I'm okay. No, you've missed the journey. And everyone says, oh, you, you've got to love the journey. Well, you can't love the journey unless you're in truth of how imperfect you are. So, you know, it's, it's that whole process. And so I can accept. And then even more important than what you said is when you gain this insight of how absolutely imperfect, like really imperfect, even Jeff Bezos, even, you know, the most successful people in the world, the Elon Musk, all these men and women we look up to. When you learn this stuff and you realize, oh my God, they're so broken, just like me. Then when you run into that business partner, when you go on a date and you see it, you don't get the judgment and you just go, ah, yeah, that's me too. Yeah, I see me. Empathy, the judgment drops and, and relationship can happen. At certain levels, we go, well, I just don't want that part. But from that place, everything, everything prospers. It's full awareness. Yeah. And, full, and the, with full awareness, you get full acceptance of yourself and everyone else. Exactly. So the riots stop, the racism stops, the divorces stop, everything stops. Because instead of pointing the finger and blaming you, I turn it back and go, oh, shoot, it's me. Well, I can do something about that. And now I can see that if, if you're in the process too, well, we're just the same. You know, we're all racist in some fashion. We're all um, emotionally unavailable or all these different things we're claiming everyone else is we're just seeing ourselves we're just in denial of it that's all 
What's oh, astounding? Yeah. What's astounding is how fast the shift can happen. Because for me, it's been from clients being in total chaos, even because they're in the chaos with you. They don't know it, but it feels like chaos. Yeah. To then having the structure of calmness, and, and it feels like everything's even more efficient, more productive. Yeah. Right. We're more, we're accomplishing more. Same thing in the relationship from not being able to even have five minutes of a vulnerable conversation to now being able to stay in there. I mean, I'm right now having conversations sometimes for three, six hours, eight hours, staying in there and it's actually energizing. It's not draining. You know, what's draining. I realize that draining is playing tennis with 40% of your energy on the back of your mind on that thing that's distracting you because you are not living in your truth with that one thing. Yeah. You lean towards that feeling and realize what's really causing that and address it and learn from it. Whether it's going through the grieving process, like for me, even this last week, I, got, I had to literally just, after playing tennis, I was exhausted. And sometimes when you're exhausted, it gives you the opportunity to just let go of that cognitive part of your brain so what i've noticed is i can just let go of just the positive mask so to say for a second right and then go what am i really feeling i just parked up in my in my rooftop here put the seat back and i just let the feelings go and immediately i just felt this wave of grief and tears and it was uh a lot of realizations in regards to some experiences of abandonment from my childhood that were linked to certain experiences that I'm going through in the moment that are completely unrelated, but the feelings are associated, right? It's similar feelings. And, mm -hmm. Keep going. So, well, what I had to do was just for two hours, just straight bawling my eyes out and getting the new realizations from that. Like, wow, like so many realizations. That's why I'm this way. That's why I did that. That's why I said that there. That's why, that's why, that's why, that's why. And then, it turns into, okay, how can I then move forward? For me, I don't, right now, I can't remember the specific lesson that I had, but I know that the lesson did bring greater connection for me in my inter intimate relationship with my significant other. I remember that it did also bring a better awareness for some of my family members in regards to some things and acceptance too. Because for example, for me, I, I did resent my mother and my grandmother for a lot of the aban emotional abandonment. But the thing is that I realized I can't really, you know, put it all on that resentment because as far as like continue to blame that for certain things that I'm doing today, because first of all, it's in the past. I don't need it to control me anymore. And if we bring it to today, because they're both alive and I'm still in a relationship with them, I talk to them. It's not about me needing to change them. It's not about them needing to even change the perception of me. It's about me just being able to live in my true self all the time, whether they judge it or not, they accept it or not, and letting them live in the same place. Because my struggle most of my life has actually had actually been, not so much at this point, but had actually been wanting to 
always help my mother become better, help her become fit, help her be okay, help her be calm, help her not cry, help, right, all these things. And I noticed that's exactly what I was even doing with certain clients. You know, I would, because I get paid as a consultant to advise, they wouldn't do the advice. And I'd be like, well, why aren't you, this is what you're paying me for, right? right, right? And then it's like, oh, wait a second, that's, at that, at that point, that's not even a part of the service, right? Like, I gave you the advice. You, if you want to do it, you do it. If you don't want to do it, then I still did my job, right? And, and that's the thing. Well, you, you bring up two things. The problem with all the other programs out there and the coaching or whatever you want to call it that's out there is everyone says, don't go to the past. Well, we already know behavioral psychology and science knows we become who we're going to be as an adult between birth and seven years old. All of the traumatic experiences, and we've all been through traumatic experiences, all of our parents are perfectly imperfect and had moments where they abandoned us or whatever, you know, they were just, you know, there's the severe stuff we all know, but most people are like, no, my parents were great. Well, it's not even possible. I find it hysterical that we all think our parents were perfect, yet we see imperfection everywhere else, but not there. Well, that's the sign of the dysfunction. Do you see the denial in that? Oh, I can't let, let it be true that my parents were less than perfect. So the first solution that what I do that's different than everybody else is, unless you have a program that focuses on the less than perfect experiences in childhood, you don't have a program. You have a symptom-based process that might create some positive feelings, but you will never get to the core issue of what you're struggling with, ever. You'll never reach your full potential or you'll never find your soul. I know exactly what you're talking about because that's what I experienced with the dating programs. Yep. It's all um, manipulation. Exactly. Just uh, wait three days for the first text. Say this there. Uh, don't say this there, say it this way, belittle them this way with some cocky comedy, blah, blah, blah. And it turns into basically this whole act that when that person finds out who you really are, it's like, ooh, like, I don't like you. Yeah, exactly. It's all manipulation. And so that's what most of the programs are. They give you a sense of feeling better, but they 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 stay away from that. They won't confront that. And... So you can't, even the adverse childhood experiences study shows that. I mean, we've all been through massive trauma. Like it's on, like all of us, like it's proven. And and yet over 80% of people will say, no, childhood was perfect. Well, that's just not even possible. And we can talk, you know, we've talked about the science of that before, but it's all in my book and everything. So the, the first place, if you want to achieve your potential is you have to get out of denial and start addressing the pain that you experienced in childhood. There's no other way. You can do other things, but you're dancing around the solution. You have to start there. And that leads to the second point, the resentment. You said, you know, I see these things and I carried this resentment. Well, that here's where the resentment comes. Because we developed these maladaptive, perfect imperfections that were shown to us by mom, grandma, grandma, grandpa, and everybody as kids, we had to become those manipulations to survive. But now as an adult, 
we're doing the exact same thing. And that's where the resentment comes from. I hate mom and dad. They keep doing this, yet I'm doing it right back to them and in my personal relationships, business relations. You just described how you were manipulating. I mean, when you're taking a call at nine o'clock, shutting off a date, and you're angry and resentful that they called you at 10 o'clock, you're the problem. You didn't say no. You weren't honest. That's on you. Why are you resentful at them? Well, that's exactly what you experienced in childhood. And so when you clean, when you see how in childhood you were taught all these resentments, manipulations, these perfect imperfections, and you go face the feelings, then yes, you're going to have moments after tennis where you break down, where it all comes out and you get the truth. Oh my God, I'm upset because this, this, you make the connections. Well, then you start, now you're maturing out of that perfect imperfection and dysfunction. You're seeing it for truth. Then you can set boundaries with your clients. You set it. You were chaotic. Your clients were chaotic. You healed the pain and stuff that you'd stuffed and ignored. And as you do that, you can set limits and boundaries. You calm down. They calm down. Then you're able to stay engaged in deep conversations because now you're an adult who can navigate his emotions, who can take ownership of, whoa, 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 wait a minute. If I'm seeing something in you, that's just a mirror to something I haven't dealt with. Thank you for showing up so I can go deal with it. That's an opening to more recovery, more strength, more power. That's the loss of resentment. So now I don't need mom and dad and grandma to change. Yes, they're rude and controlling and all this. And gosh, darn it, isn't it adorable when they try and pull that stuff on me now? I can lovingly, you know, the whole last chapter of my book was me doing that. I had written that letter to my dad as a kid. When I first quit drinking, saying, look, I want to get to know you. Well, I saw it. Now I see it. it was all a manipulation. I was trying to get him to be what he wasn't. Well, once I did all the work, got to the other side of it on his deathbed, I, you know, he tried to dump his cancer on me. I wouldn't take it. I gave it back to him. And at that point, my dad could be vulnerable with me because I stopped. My dad, both my parents taught me how to manipulate. I became that. Well, if I'm manipulating them, how could they get close to me? Once I learned the process, took myself out of it, then my parents were able to drop their manipulations and come towards me. And that's the thing that trips everybody up. They're like, oh my God, I don't want to lose my parents, friends, family. If I go change this, oh my God, they want, but you already don't love them because you're already filled with resentment. You can't stand being around them. So you have no relationship. And so when you go do this, you actually get relationship. You get everything you wanted in childhood, but you don't need it anymore because you've done it for yourself. And so if it happens, it's like, oh, wow, isn't it funny? I spent all my life trying to manipulate him to get this feeling. And now it's here and it's like, man, I found it on my own. It's kind of cute that they do it, but I don't need it. And it's there. And even if they don't, it's just fine. You're at peace. That's greatness. It's not an external process of I need something to change. I'm just okay. And that's what you're describing. The most beautiful thing I've seen in regards to that is the grace that then everyone can give each other in that yeah. relationship when we see in each other the the attempts of manipulation. Like even this last week, yeah. I actually had to thank this person because I was like, you know, saying no there, we, we talked a lot about the power of no, right? Saying no yesterday, that was very loving of you. And they appreciated it. They knew it. And I was like, you know, because I remember I even tried to manipulate you a second time by saying, well, we can do this or that, <laughs> right? 
if that works for you, and then still no. I was like, okay. But I, I was glad too, because even though I said we could do this and that, I said at the end, but I don't want your, I don't want my questions to get in the way of your intuition. So please answer from that place and I'll go ahead and welcome that response. And there came the no. And I was like, I had enough self-control at that point when that no came to then say, okay, I accept the no. Even though inside and my, my emotional reaction was still, oh, but I really want it. Right. So. But there's so much safety in that truth because then they never throw it back in your face. Yes. And then, you know, what happens is you can coerce someone out of and get them to say yes, but eventually they abandon you. They lie to you. They cheat on you. They, they, they will say no to you yep. in a much more destructive way. And that's why, you know, everyone's afraid to get in relationships because it's a, everyone just manipulates. That's all the dating dynamics, movies. It's just taught people to manipulate. And so the only way they know how to say no is through lies and coercion. And so then everyone's hurt and angry at the other side. Well, they both set it up because neither said no. No is safety. No is love. No is connection. Because now I know right where you stand. And I know you'll never throw it in my face. Because now you're not carrying that resentment where you feel like you got to get it back. Everybody's free. You want to have a great relationship? Say no all over the place. Not for power, but from authenticity of God, I just not, whatever reason, I just can't do it today. I, I feel like I'm going to clobber you if I do. So it's weird. I mean, that's just where I am. Oh God, thank you. Like I love you right now because I'm not going to pay for this later by you cheating on me or whatever it is. So, whew, yeah. So yes, I'm frustrated. I wanted to spend the day or whatever it was, but oh, when you know these skills and tools, you actually go, Oh, actually that was just the best experience. So I'm fine that we don't hang out today or whatever the plan was, you know, it, it, Staying in truth. It gives you the love you were looking for. In my experience. Staying in truth and clarity. There's this movie called The King where at the end of it, and this is historically based, he marries Catherine. And at the end, the king, King Henry V says, uh, there's only one thing I'm going to ask from you. It's going to be truth and clarity. Nothing else. And uh, that was very meaningful to me because linking it back to what we're talking about, that's really what all relationships should be about. Yeah. But we're not taught. We're taught that truth and clarity is saying yes and doing everything for somebody else. And that's not truth and clarity. The answer is in the opposite. If you want truth and clarity, say no. Set boundaries, set limits, stick to your negotiables, your non-negotiables. Don't go against your morals and values, your needs and wants. Don't give yourself away in the essence of love i'm supposed to do everything for them no 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 that is the antithesis of love that is the destruction of love it can't happen it is not possible and we have a divorce rate over 50 percent that proves it the only way to love is boundaries and no that's it that's truth that's clarity In 2016, I went through what would be considered the, the hurricane of my life. And it was because I, after a three-year relationship, I'd gone through the most horrible breakup. 
in which at the time I thought was due to a brain injury that my girlfriend at the time had, meaning that she end, after she ended up at a psych ward, thanks to all the complications that came from that injury, I considered my inability to properly take care of her and give her what she needed in those moments, uh, especially from an emotional stability and support standpoint, I considered myself, wow, like way less of a man than I thought I was. Like I, um, I considered it as if like the Coldplay song, the, 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 my kingdom was built on pillars of salt and sand and they crumbled with just one little shake, like a toothpick. And um, it was, it really destroyed me. I mean, I, I, it was bad. Like I literally went the day that I realized that I went ahead and just, just buzz cut my hair. Um, I ended up living in my car for a year and a half. I ended up uh, gaining over 50 pounds and it was that guilt. It was that weight. It was taking it all on me. And I, I remember at the end of that relationship, she was actually spitting on my face and hitting me. It got, it got really bad screaming at me. And I was in that moment taking it as, you know what, well, maybe this is, I deserve it, right? Like because of my guilt. And it took some time, like my goodness, to start picking up the pieces because it shattered. I mean, we lost everything. And I lost everything myself. I used to conduct a business in LA that is no longer operational in that regard. And it was because I ended up pushing all my clients away because I pushed myself away. And by pushing myself away, um, you would think that living in my car was necessary. It wasn't. It was self-victimization. And I say that because at one point I was able to reestablish another business and start getting clients on that and even get an office, but I did not have a place to live. And I was still dressed in a suit, but I did not have a bed to sleep at. That was my own. I was staying in Airbnbs. And it was because I felt that I was transitioning the whole time, right? There was no, I didn't want to have an anchor. I was like, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't even know if I'm going to stay here. I don't even know. This is what I want. Everything became, I don't even know. And this is around the time where I, I moved from LA to the desert of Phoenix. And it's interesting because I, I thought that the movement was a great one because I mean, it's so much more relaxed. People are nicer. Well, until I realized that for my goals, well, most people come here to retire, not to really grow and move up in life and ambition and all that. Mind, there's places for that there, but and for what I truly was looking for, it wasn't the case. And it wasn't until I realized my victimization and that I did not have to carry her pain. And that I did not have to carry beyond that. That's when I realized also my mother's pain 
my stepfather's pain, my grandma's pain, all these people that I could start putting the pieces of myself together by eating right. Consistency used to be my my favorite word, but for some reason I I couldn't understand. Like, why am I eating semi-healthy and I'm still not losing weight? I kept gaining weight. I kept getting even more unhealthy. But all of a sudden, when I started putting the pieces of myself by starting to look at the past, to look at my childhood, look at how I was raised, understand for the first time, uh, my heart skips a beat as I said, the abandonment that I suffered. You know, first through my father, never being shown up, then through my mother, emotionally always workaholic, then my uh, grandma who had me as this chosen child and I was dethroned when my mother found my stepfather uh, as a boyfriend and then married him. I mean, it shattered me again and again. I was literally going through this cycle of abandonment with everyone in my life. And there it came back in 2016 with my girlfriend at the time. Why we pick them? It's why we pick them. And basically going through that period of, um, I called it rock, the greatest rock bottom I've ever had. I'm grateful that I found eventually someone like you to talk about these things because, and work through them because I did eventually find my way through what would be called the, you know, the masks of success. You know, like we focus on making money, we focus on these external things. And then it's like, oh, it feels great. Like I'm good now. But then I would see, wait a second, something just doesn't feel right. Something keeps yo-yoing me back. And so I even have to look at that relationship recently and go, and go ahead and start forgiving myself with it and come to that conclusion of, wait a second. Thank you for the lessons rather than I'm so disappointed in myself, so to say. And it wasn't until I've been able to take these steps with my childhood, that relationship, all these rock bottom moments, if you want to call them that, that I've been finally able to commit to my healthy choices, commit and consistently take the right actions to grow my business, to serve others better, to be um, more authentic in my relationships and, and to give from a place of truth, not just give and to get. That was a big one. And to stay in intimacy, emotional intimacy as well. So for me, I thought that that relationship had ended because of the physical things, because of the injury, because of the money, because of this, that. And I actually realized it had actually ended because of my inability to be emotionally vulnerable at the time, because of my inability to face the uncomfortable moments, the dark situations that presented themselves. Like in this case, her dad committed suicide. 
she needed someone there to support her. I thought she'd be all right. And, you know, three weeks later, I'm like, what, you know, why is she grieving this still? Like, why don't we just when move on? You've been abandoned so heavily. You learn, I'm not going to get close to anyone. Get over it. Exactly. Be there for you because you'll abandon me. And then by, but then you're picking somebody who's going to abandon you again. Exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll, that's the biggest mistake people make in relationships and in the self-help is they don't realize your life is just a replay of the trauma from your childhood you haven't dealt with. That's all it is. In every situation, I know for you, when we first met, you're like, gag me. I don't want to listen to this guy. He's full of it. Even when we first started working together, you know, you finally admitted, man, I didn't want any part of your stuff. I was like, this is all BS. Um, but what was a central moment where you saw the truth about your childhood, you know, where there's some things that you all of a sudden realized, oh my God, he's right about the tie-ins with your childhood. And, you know, cause I know you've made all these discoveries now that you're into it and doing the work, but <clears throat> were there some specific things that you used to think that's not a big deal with my mom or, you know, dad, this is nothing. And now you, it went, oh my God, this is everything. I got to think about that a little bit. You know, I would have never thought actually about abandonment in regards to my mother. I thought it was my father. I was like, no, he physically abandoned me. It was absent. And my mother was there, right? Like she was a good mom. She she worked really hard to get me to private school. She worked really hard to get me to college, right? All these things. And then I realized, wait a second, she worked so hard that she was never there. Yeah. Emotionally never there, especially. As a matter of fact, that's when I realized she actually sucked all the emotional energy out of me. Yeah. You became the surrogate spouse. She, never, she didn't have. Exactly. And that's why it, it was even worse than, than, than I think you're even describing now. Because I actually realized it was the, the blend of the surrogate that then when she would get her husband actually showing up for a little bit, then it'd be like, okay, I don't need you anymore. The neglectful parent. And she'd and, bounce someone out. And so you'd get this manipulative dynamic when the, her, your stepfather wasn't available. You were now the surrogate spouse. And when he was, now you were discarded. And so, gee, no wonder you'd pick a woman who would do the exact same thing, bounce in and out. And Exactly. And we never make the tie-in. <laughs> we're blaming the other person and how terrible they were. And I did all this. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, yes, that may be true. But the only reason you're with them is because you haven't healed. They're just a mirror to what you haven't faced from your own childhood. Every single relationship. It never, it like, it, it's every that's, single one. That's why the only way, I've realized this, this is the present thing. The only way a relationship can work out is if both individuals are on the same boat about working on this stuff. Because yep. I know... I know what's happening, right? Yeah. And they know what's happening thanks to that. Yeah. And they'll know what I'm afraid of too. Yep. And they'll anticipate what I'm going to do. I mean, I have, I have controlling tendencies. I've admitted it. I see them all the time when they're about to show up. Sometimes they even make me go, ooh, like maybe I should control myself saying some of these things. But 
most of the time, to be honest, that's where it gets, there's that fine line between being authentic, containing yourself, right? And truly speaking from the truth. And then being too contained where you're not, you're never speaking for your, from your truth, right? And that's learning boundaries. Does somebody want your truth? You have to know boundaries because so many people spew their truth, but they haven't been invited in. I'm speaking the truth. Well, did you ask permission? Did they ask for your, yeah. So there, there's many subtleties as to when it's okay. And we're not taught when it's okay to share our truth. And that's the thing in my childhood. There's no boundaries. There were no boundaries. Meaning I remember when my mother divorced him, it, it was like a, she went crazy with the surrogates past thing. Now looking back, I didn't realize it back then, but I remember it felt strange to me that after it happened and I visited, this was like early twenties. I noticed that she was having very intimate conversations with me that she'd never had in the past and like overly intimate. And I was like, this feels freaking weird. Like this feels like a, like a spouse conversation and I'm your son. Like this, I couldn't understand it. Right. And that's when after a few years, it, things kept going in that sort of manner until it wasn't until I realized by, as you say, becoming an expert on what's, what these things are that I was like, wait a second, this is wrong. That's the reason why I'm literally doing the same thing to even clients in my life, divulging every single thing without asking for permission, as you say. Yeah. But then the funny thing is I wouldn't do it in my relationship. Yeah, because you're already married to your mother. How could you? You'd be cheating on her. Exactly. And we don't even know that. Yeah, we don't know that because it's all subconscious. I haven't, I haven't left that dynamic. And so we pick some, yeah, it's, it's just heartbreaking. We don't teach this. If people are bad, they just don't know that this is how it works. And so is there an example modern day, you know, since you started doing this work of a, a way you handle it differently now, now that, you know, when your mom tries to make you the surrogate spouse, um, you know, where you go, you now see it. And like I said, handle it differently. Do you want me to share the text story? Yeah, share that. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my mother actually calling me late at night, super late in the hour where I'm like, this is odd. Like she never calls this late. And my phone had been silenced, so I didn't pick it up. Right. I just, the next day woke up, texted her, didn't get a response. Uh, wait a couple hours, like four or five hours, still no text back from her. And then I'm like, is everything okay? Like did someone die? Cause I'm like, like now you're not getting back to me. Like what's going on? And she's like, Oh no, it's fine. I'm like, it's fine. Like, so you call me, right. They should just reel it in. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, that abandonment. Oh no, no, no. Push, 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 pull. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it felt to me. That's why I was confused. And so I immediately, what do I do? Of course, I call her right away. Of course. There's the lure. And And this is what most people call normal, healthy parenting. Loving parenting. (laughs) 
Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Well, come on. I call and initially there's hesitation from her and wanting to express. Again, still the, no, it's fine. It's all good. Don't worry about it. But of course, I could sense the anger. I was like, what's happened? Like, you called me. Now you're saying it's all good. What is the deal? And that's when, after I pushed, that's when she starts expressing that she had, she basically had been catfished by this guy on a dating app and how she was feeling bad about herself. She needed someone to vent with, basically, emotionally vent with. And basically, in that moment, that's where I went ahead and you could just say made her feel good elevated her emotional state like you know try to give her the emotional support that she was looking for now what happened was at the end of that conversation and i know we talked about it right um we talked about it because i i just saw it as a normal thing and i thought what a cool thing. Uh, it, it, this is normal child parent dynamics and everyone thinks it's healthy and normal. And I remember you bringing it up and I was like, well, are you interested in looking at this? And you're like, well, what's, what's there to look at? Yeah, go ahead. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, I thought it was a nice mother-son moment, right? Like a little bonding time, right? And you're like, well, take a look at it from this point, this perspective. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, you're right there was a manipulation there and it's actually been consistent <laughs> throughout the years. She's done it since I was little. And I had always felt that for her. That's the, the thing. And so what had to happen though, after I realized that was I confronted her. Did you feel guilty? Well, in the, as far as like before, yeah, before the realization, that's what I was used to feel. Because remember the tie-in to your ex, you felt tremendous guilt, gained all that weight. You, that's where you learned it. Look at that. It's, it's the carrying of your mother's guilt. So, of course, you'd pick somebody who would just clobber you over the head and leave you with a sense of guilt. In a In the short relationship, you relived the massive years of guilt you've been carrying from your mother in a colossal way that put you on the street. That's why you picked that woman is so you could, we're always picking these people to scream at us the trauma we haven't faced. And you're screaming, I'm picking this woman so I can finally see it's not just my dad who's abandoned me, it's my mother. And so I'm gonna pick somebody who's gonna, I'm gonna leave this with so much guilt that hopefully I'll see, oh my God, this, I never really, I don't wanna say love this woman, but in many ways I didn't. It was a manipulation so I could learn about my mother. But no one's given me the tools to see, oh, my God, I'm trying to scream at myself. I need to heal the guilt from my mother. Damn it. Go ahead. Keep going. And finally, I did see it. And finally, I did start confronting it. And so what happened was in further conversations, I started saying no. I remember one conversation was her telling me, Dater, you don't say no to your mom. You always say yes to whatever I ask for, right? And I just... I just went, kind of giggled. I was like, no. And just ended right there. And then she, and then she laughed because she realized. And then she shut up. She realized what was going on. And for the first time, that was actually the first time we started having a respectful conversation with each other. Now, every now and again, she'll slip into 
violating boundaries, so to say. But like, for example, I did help her with something one day. And then the next day she was coming back and, and intending for, oh, yeah, we should we should do this more often like this. And I'm like, mom, this is not what it's for. I don't want you to become, this is not for you to become emotionally dependent on me. Right? You need to do it for yourself. It's a teaching. And so just like a child, you know, they, she doesn't, look, she's not a bad mom. She just wasn't taught. Yes. But when they see it, like, see, that's what happens when you say no. She saw truth and she went, oh my God, this is good. But she's, you know, I don't know how old she is, 40, 50, 60 years old. She's been living a certain way. She's going to go back to the old way. But the longer you keep saying no and stay with it, she'll drop that dynamic. She'll realize, wait a minute, this is true love and intimacy. But it takes one person to step out of the dynamic to change it. Absolutely. And another thing that happened is she even said something about my relationship. I was like, nope, stay out of it. Good. You don't know what you're talking about. I say it that way um because sometimes i'm not invited in i haven't asked for your opinion if i ever exactly you know that's one of the magic phrases i teach in the courses um thank you for sharing that um in the future would you be willing to ask my permission if i'd like your input um versus just sharing it and and i'll let you know if that works for me or not you know i love how kind of yeah, you just don't give it. You don't give advice. It's like, you know, people do that to me all the time. I'm like, you know, well, um, I hear that you'd like me to hear that. Um, in the future, would you be willing to ask me if I'd like your input? Um, and if not, just assume it's no. But, you know, you're always welcome to ask. And in that moment, I'll let you know what I decide. That's, that's a massive breakthrough for me, how to do it with grace, too. Because uh, I do love my mother. There, there's no question about it. And, you know, sometimes when you hear me in a conversation talking about this stuff, it can seem like I'm passionate. And oh, arrogant, sure. Right? Well, that's the thing, though. When you know the skills and tools, sometimes you can just drop and just puke. But it's like underneath, it's like, I know, I know, you know, we're just dumping some emotion here and throwing some slander and stuff. But we, we also know what's really going on. So, yeah, there's exactly. a difference. But if you don't have the skills and tools, that doesn't apply. Exactly. It, it's, you don't, that's what I realized. If you don't have the skills and tools, not only can you not help others, but you can't share anything. Because with her, I've shared some of the skills and tools at this point that has helped her to then show up more how I show up. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you don't have the skills and tools, you're just a loose cannon. Yeah. An unaware loose cannon is even worse than an aware loose cannon even. Right? <laughs> but... Even just having the skills and tools and the awareness and not being 100% perfect all the time, I've noticed it has united, for example, the relationship between me and my mother in a more more adult way, which has made other relationships healthier. Same thing with clients, same thing with partners, same thing with pretty much everything. It's made me more confident, more comfortable. Like I have more energy, like even right now in this conversation, because I don't have 40% of my energy pissed off about what I said over there to the other person. Make sense? Yeah. And also you, you, what you're feeling towards your mother now. I feel acceptance first. Yeah. Much safer. Yes. Yeah. Safer. 
the connection you want it. I connect when I want it. I can be who I am and my full self. I can, and by that, I mean, saying no was quite a breakthrough. Like I've even lately, what I've been exploring is asking for my needs and wants. Because as a child, I was always, no, 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 no. You're asking too much. What do you think? Money grows on trees? No, no. Heck, even asking for, can we have a weekend together? It got to the point where I just felt like it's not even worth it to ask. Right. And for me, the breakthrough was thanks to all this, all these tools, skills, all these conversations now, the intimate conversations and the bonding that truly happens in this manner. Now I feel even safer with asking for these needs and wants. And even with hearing no with those needs and wants. Because you realize the process, it's not about getting your needs and wants. That's the problem with the relationship. We're trying to control and get our needs and wants so I feel better inside. I need you to fill the hole that I don't know how to fill. When you learn the process, you realize, I don't, I'm just asking to ask because that just brings me help. But if you say no, wonderful. Now I have the skills and tools to go meet that on my own. I don't depend on you. It's wonderful when you have the reserves and the space in your life. You're like, oh, yeah, that sounds wonderful. I'd love to do that, be that, join you in that, and meet your needs and wants. But if their life is perfectly imperfect and they can't, you go, oh, my God, I'm so glad you said no. Well, here's what I'm going to do because right now it's a big need of mine or a big want of mine. And they're like, oh, my God, thank you for going to do that. I don't feel abandoned. And that lets me off the hook because you're not going to resent me. And it's freedom. Well, when you don't have the skills and tools, how does that dynamic work out? My God, they never support me. They know I need it. And then, they, or they give in and then they're like, God, I do everything for them. I, they didn't, I was sick and tired and it'd been a long day at work and I still showed up and they won't take, like now it's just, everyone's just trading resentment. That's it. Yes. Kills a relationship. No saves it. Absolutely saves it. It's the only way to have a relationship. Beautifully said. Yeah. Well, I love how you're. It's been my experience. It's the only way to have relationship, even with broken family relationships, with broken exes. It's the only way, and your your experiences are consistent and a testament to exactly how it works. If you work the process, it always ends up always. It's foolproof. It ends up this way every single time. Look, I will tell you this, man. I've realized this is the only way to break the pattern throughout generations. Anyone who doesn't do this is literally fucked. Like, everyone is fucked. Meaning, you are lost. You want me to say this in a way where you can actually show it to the masses? (laughs) Everybody is messed up if they don't get these skills, tools, and self-awareness because you will repeat the mistakes from the past. I was talking to someone the other day saying, I feel like in my new relationship, I'm actually continuing to grow. I don't feel like I'm starting from scratch from where I've been in the past. And that person said, huh, I'm interested. I I didn't feel that way about my my relationships. The way we've been taught, the way we've been taught relationship is a digression of our growth. Look at it. Everybody that gets in a relationship, both start gaining weight. Both stop pursuing their needs and wants, their hobbies. 
both start collapsing as individuals. They don't end up blossoming and growing because it, they just do what everyone does. They get codependent, they lose themselves. And love, that's what kills love. And that's the divorce rate. And so if you're choosing not to pursue the stuff I talk about, you are choosing to live a less than fulfilled life. You are passing on to the generation after you're doing damage to yourself, your kids, and the world. You're making a conscious choice. If you're like, oh, I don't have the money, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't want to do it, it's too hard, it's too scary, whatever, whatever it is, all of that is BS. It's I'm choosing to continue to play the victim and victimize others. And that's harsh, but it's true. That's the choice that's being made. And you can throw any excuse you want at it, but it's a, it's a, I'm accepting. And, and you know what? And I'm okay with that. Like I can accept someone going, I don't want to, as long as you accept that you're like, no, I'm okay with playing the victim the rest of my life and victimizing others. If you can own that, I'm like, then do it. Like, you're, you're in truth and reality. And if you can live with it, then I support you. Knock yourself out. But if, if you don't think you're in denial and you don't think that you're victimizing yourself and others, I won't, I, it wouldn't be loving of me to let you off the hook. It wouldn't be kind and loving to come up with something nice to say right here. That would just further the abuse you've already been through. And I won't do that. I, won't. I, I think the only way somebody could think I want to stay there like that is if they've been, I guess one of two things, either fooled that that's the best way or two, if it's too painful to go the other way. And, but that's the lie. It's not too painful. Um, <clears throat> here's what happens with choice. We sit here and we project how bad this will be because it's an unknown experience. And so we make up all these falsities. So you did it. You did it with my program. You said it. You know, before you, once you started my stuff, you opened up and you were here going, this is God. No, I'm not going to go there. This, all these bad things will happen. This is garbage. Well, once you make the choice, you realize, ah, it's nothing like I thought it was. None of those bad things happen. It's a little uncomfortable. It's discomfort. But from this place, you can look back and go, oh my God, that was the pain. But when you're here, you can't feel it, see it, or you're completely unaware of it. You have to cross that bridge. And then you look back and go, wow, that was such a lie. That was the pain, the avoidance, all the excuses and everything. But you have to cross the bridge and make that choice to see it. You can't. I can't. It's a life experience you have to live out. And so that's, the, that's one reason. The second is we reward this position. A person who's choosing to stay here and claim pain, money, whatever, they are getting so heavily rewarded as the victim. That's why they won't leave, whether it's government assistant, you know, our whole, the Me Too movement, racism, all these things are victim positions. Not saying people haven't been racist or raped or whatever, but it's a victim position. And they get a lot of power. Look, at we're changing the whole world to meet all these victims. <laughs> instead of right everyone's getting their legislation whether you're gay straight trans black white I, like everyone's fighting for their guns border everyone's fighting i'm the bigger victim take care of me why would i give that up because i've got you the government the world wrapped around my finger i never have to take responsibility for my life this is a massive payoff i can blame men for relationships women 
everything but me. That's the truth. So when people say, oh, it's too scary, it's too much money, it's too much this. Oh, no, no, no. That's a lie. I am a professional. I love it. And I own everybody. And I ain't ready to give that up. That's the truth. That's why people stay. Those are the two things. One, they make up a falsity. And that, that's authentic. Like that, That's normal. They won't see the truth till they cross over. But primarily, it's the rewarding of the victim position. Their life is, they benefit. And they'll sit there and go, no, this sucks. I don't want racism. I don't want to get divorced. I don't want this. Well, then cross over. Oh, I, oh, it's too expensive. Boom, you just lost it right there. If you're not willing to go there, then you've just proved to everyone, oh, don't take my victimhood. Don't make me deal with me. You're the problem. Well, that's it. It's, it's, you're boxed in. You can't justify this position. Nobody can. There's no reason to stay here. That is valid. None. The thing is, as far as what happens when you do cross over, that I have noticed as we spoke, being able to open up to the full spectrum of emotions is the most beautiful, incredible experience. It's going from that black and white to color. You know, if, if that rock bottom felt like black and white and I dress black and white, which is interesting looking at my pictures too. And now I'm, I'm having all these variations of, you know, explorations of me, the true me and new opportunities, new, new exciting things in life that I welcome. I, I have noticed, for example, I used to hold, I used to be proud about not crying, like literally brag. Oh, I haven't cried in like seven years. You cry all the time now. <laughs> now, yeah. I I literally cry every day. It seems like at least once a day. And it's beautiful, man. You feel so free. All that pain yes. everyone's avoiding. You just feel nothing but joy. Like nothing Dude. but joy. Yeah. You do. And I have never, ever told a woman I love you like I have said it now and felt it and cried it and lived it and both of us lived it too it is it feels divine it feels um it feels like true love you could call it that it almost makes everything else feel like what that even true love it doesn't like who knows right but best you're able to now exactly that's all we you know you you may have a different experience 20 years from now all we're ever experiencing is the best that we're capable of in this moment and yeah that's the thing and i've even been saying so much of this lately i love my life like i just really find so many things to be grateful for not just because i'm doing like not in the past like in the past it would be because i'm doing the affirmation just to make myself feel better because I woke up feeling, I woke up in a bad mood, right? Not like that. Now it's, I wake up in a great mood and wow, like this is the life that I envisioned. I'm making it happen. And now it's like, what else can we do? 
What else can we dream? What else can we create? My level of creativity is through the roof. My fire in business. And that's the other thing. Like there's a fire that you can have when you're like desperate for money that I think in business, you know, you see the Gary V hustler type of thing. Go, 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 right? Like work till you're burnt out. That's fear-based. Exactly. I see a lot of that going on and that's what I used to operate with. And now the fire is different. The fire is, ooh, I'm excited about this. And not just to get to the goal, but I'm excited about what I'm doing right now. It's joy-based. Exactly. In the moment-based, it's not outcome-based. You're present for it. It's the journey. Yes. That's what it, going towards the pain, becoming an expert in the pain is the most free. If you want your life to be free, if you're sick of being trapped and stuck and all the things you hear, there's only one way to get there. Become an expert in your pain. That's it. And there's nothing but pure joy in it. Everyone's, oh, I'm afraid and all that. And it's like, and I wish it's, it's like so many things in life. You have to experience it. And then every, every single person, just like you, who's like, this is garbage. I'm not going to do it. They do it and they go, oh my God, he's right. Well, until you made the choice, I can't describe it. I try. I do thousands of videos trying to get people to go there. But it, it's an experience you have to live. And once you do, you go, man, I get it now. And so it's just, it's, it's the choice. Once you choose it, the tough part is the choice. The most difficult part is going, damn it, I'm going to do it. Once you do that, and it happens like that, so fast, like, boom. Remember with you, it's like, wham. Like, you do like, it's supposed to be, like, everyone goes, it's supposed to happen this quick. Like, you know, because there was someone who did a testimonial who talked about that. They're like, you know, you go to the doctor and get a pill and got to wait a week before it kicks in or a diet's 30 days. Like, this happens like that. Like, it's quick. And that's how it works. That's the other thing. I mean, I've been losing weight much faster. As, yeah. as I told you the other day, I got birds flying next to me. Not carrying <laughs> the guilt. Yeah. The added weight of the guilt. Right. Exactly. Well, I'm so happy um, that you chose you. I mean, yes, I've developed the program, but ultimately everyone else does the work. And so when they do the work, it's them choosing themselves. You know, I play a part because I know I came up with something that's very helpful. Um, that's the, the small piece I played. But ultimately, all the credit goes to the individual who decided to make the choice. And then they live the journey and they're like, man, and that I don't deserve any credit for. <laughs> I didn't do anything with that. And so, but it becomes addictive and easy because it just, it, it just keeps working. It never fails. That's the realization that when you do get through it, it makes you go, wow, no, this is the easy. Life is easier now. It is. It is. It's easier in the darkness. Much easier. Everything yeah. just falls in place. Always has been, always will be.